You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort, not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing and uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's all, sir. Second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? No, I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of this did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. It's time <laughs> for some football, baby. Yes, it is, Shane. But before we go around the league, found this little clip. You found this one, Shane, so i got to give you credit for it. But uh, some Kentucky players... Asked if they could come back as anyone, who would they come back as? They got they had a, a pretty interesting answer here. I thought. I say Mark Stoops. <laughs> yeah. And uh, why would that be? So he could be one of my players, and I could work him. <laughs> All right. How about that, Shane? They're tired of uh, Coach Stoops telling them what to do. Absolutely, man. I'd like to come back and get my coach a couple of times, my conditioning coach. Coach Brimer, you know who you are, and if you're listening, I didn't appreciate those extra runs you gave us. But, <laughs> you know, there was – it's like, I don't know, my conditioning coach, it was a nightmare. It's like he stayed up at night thinking of ways to create a more extreme conditioning program the next day. It's like we do a 20-minute run. He goes, well, why don't we try it on a hill, you know? It's like <laughs> – what are you doing, you know? So, yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you here, man. I'd like to come back and put Coach Brimer through it. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Coach. If you're listening, I love you, man. Thanks. That was the best shape I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah, those days have been a long ago. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Shots fired, Mark. <laughs> are you ready to go around the league? Oh, let's do it, man. Now let's go around the league. We we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, just hear it over and over and you know like every other or every third song it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice so you just um, you get used to it it's, it's a catchy tune right I mean. this game's gonna be a street fight this game's gonna be a street fight i mean some of you guys don't know who kimbo slice is hopefully you do um, and you go back to it man this isn't a sanctioned fight this is a street fight i mean this is the sec so man it's time it's time to put on the hard hat launch bail let's get to work All right, Shane, starting here in Starkville. 
Biggest news of the day, in my opinion, Joe Moore has come out and named Tommy Stevens starting quarterback for the Bulldogs. Uh, let's just start, kick it off here with Joe Moorhead's comments. He breaks down the decision and everything that went into it here. Uh, you know, with that being said, we talked about uh, naming a starting quarterback. Uh, had the opportunity to uh, meet with both guys uh, earlier this afternoon and just informed the team. <coughs> and uh, it was a great, great competition. Uh, you know, both guys are similarly sized, uh, provide equal threats in the run game. And we said the, uh, the decision-making was going to come down to who can create explosive plays, who can minimize turnovers, and who, who can throw the ball with the best accuracy on a consistent manner. Uh, you know, Tommy jumped out of the gate strong at the beginning of camp, uh, you know, closing into the first scrimmage. Uh, you know, KT kind of closed the gap and had a real nice first scrimmage. And, uh, you know, from that point forward, you know, Tommy uh, created separation, continued to, to um, you know, do that towards the tail end of camp. So we, uh, we told both guys and we informed the team that uh, Tommy Stevens has earned the right to be the starting quarterback for us this year and certainly are excited about what, what KT did and how he performed and is going to be an incredibly valuable asset for us. And, you know, we're going to need him to win a game for us this year. I want to say he, he, he took it well because that, that's not really what I want to infer, but you know, certainly understood what the process was and certainly understood what the decision-making criteria was and, you know, wants to be the starter like anybody else on the team, but also understand that we had a job to do, we had a decision to make and, you know, what we based it off of and, and he respected that. And I, I told him, just like any other number two on the team, he's one play away from being the one and can't get into a backup mentality and he's going to come out on Tuesday, you know, or Friday when we, when we start UOL prep and, you know, he's going to get after it about how much Tommy would walk in with the knowledge of the playbook. Yeah. How much did that help him just throughout the competition? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, when, when you're going into being a quarterback in essentially year four, if you want to call it that, that, uh, you know, you could hit the ground running and not have to go in somewhere and learn something completely new. Uh, you know, I think it was, it was very, you know, you know, it was, it made, it made the transition a lot quicker. All right, Shane, so I don't think, yeah, either one of us really surprised by this decision. You know, all the actions of the Mississippi State coaching staff have led up to this, in my opinion, all offseason trying to get some added depth there at the quarterback position. What was your immediate reaction when you saw that Tommy Stevens won the job here at Mississippi State? I'm not surprised, man. Honestly, I, I think this has been in the works for several, several months now, and and touchdown, Tommy's got the gig, so I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready to see a, a better offense out there, and I think Coach feels that he can give him that element. You know, and one thing that uh, I realize, you know, I saw this when Tommy Stevens initially announced he was going to Mississippi State, and I saw it again today, Shane. It just seems like all these people up at Penn State are rooting for Joe Moorhead, and rooting for this kid, I mean, it's pretty rare when you see a quarterback leave and then they're just praising the guy and, you know, hoping he gets a chance to play. And then months later, you know, they're not surprised. Yeah, I think they're just kind of eager to see what he can do leading a team. I can't recall a situation quite like this. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not seeing any Clemson people uh, say anything negative about Kelly Bryant or anything by any means, but I just can't recall a situation quite like this where, uh, the previous place is just rooting for the guy so much and, and intrigued by what he'll do. And I think that's got to give Mississippi State fans uh, some added hope that uh, this guy is going to have a really big season here. 
Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of got a little bit, of, a little piece of that with Jalen. I think when he went to Oklahoma, there's a lot of Alabama fans that really liked the guy, and really liked what he's done for the university. I mean, hell, he stayed that last year, didn't have to, and mm-hmm. you know, honestly, put him in a position to, you know, win a national championship. So, I think a lot of people were on that one. But you know, I, something I want to ask you is, some, uh, Coach was talking that you know that Keaton, he's still going to need him to win games. Did you catch that? Yeah, and he wasn't quite sure what he meant when he said – I wasn't quite sure what he meant when he said that. And he was asked specifically, you know, if Keaton is going to redshirt. And, you know, Keaton could still play in four games and still redshirt. So he didn't really yeah. – he didn't necessarily close the door on that one. But – it is kind of interesting. He, I couldn't imagine Keaton being a receiver or anything like we were thinking Tommy Stevens could potentially do or running back or what have you. So I don't know. I don't know where he goes from here. Maybe he sticks around. Maybe he doesn't. I think that's going to be one of the biggest storylines now that we know who the starting quarterback is at Mississippi State. I, th- I think he should stick around, man. I mean, if Joe really just hammers that, hey, man, you, you were so close to win in this job. And I really think that another year you're going to know my system. You're going to be able to go out there and perform because, you know, Tommy can't, this is Tommy's last year. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know, maybe that's the the angle you use and just try like hell to keep him there because honestly, he's going to get better. I think if he stays in the system. Mm-hmm. And here's another reason he should potentially stay Shane. Uh, let's kick it over to this is Marcus Johnson, Mississippi State offensive line coach, talking about their five-star freshman Charles Cross. I can't remember a position coach, you know, leading up to the season, so close to the season opener, talking so boldly about a true freshman offensive lineman. Charles Cross came in as a highly recruited guy and got, got here early. Just how much did that help him? That kid's dad's phenomenal. Uh, he's he's going to be a superstar one day. Uh, sharp kid from a football IQ standpoint, very coachable. Uh, you tell him something one time, he can apply it from the classroom uh, to the football field. Um, as humble as they come, um, he can hold his own um, against you know the starters that he faces. I'm going to be interesting to watch him today, getting a lot of reps against our number one defense and. I expect him to go out and do what he's been doing. Uh, to be honest with you guys, I don't think I've ever been around a true freshman um, with his ability alone with his uh, uh, mental capacity. Uh, such a, such a, I guess, mature young man for his age. Uh, he doesn't act like a freshman at all. You know, doesn't really joke around. He's real uh, business-minded. I would say uh, kind of similar to uh, Deion Calhoun, and uh, that's, I think, one of the reasons, obviously, why Charles is ahead of the other freshmen because he's been here for going on nine months, and he's learned behind some pretty good players. So he's done well. All right, Shane. So, I mean, Mississippi State fans are already happy to get Charles Cross. I don't know if you know his recruitment at all, Shane, but he was committed to Florida State. This was a flip that Mississippi State got, and even after flipping him, they had to hold off Ole Miss. They had to hold off, I believe, USC and, you know, obviously Florida State there. But they kept Charles Cross in state. As It's huge anytime you get a five-star lineman. And, I mean, it looks like Mississippi State's future left tackle here. <laughs> if I'm a quarterback and I know they got a stud left tackle, 
I think that's uh, that's one reason. It's kind of why I'm bringing this back to Keaton. I'd I'd be sticking around if I know Charles Cross is, is there protecting my blind side. Yeah, that's a good point, man. I mean, that's the spot you want too, and you got to feel good when you got. You know, just a side note, I, as a Tennessee fan, we got some of our tackles in. You were hoping that they'd really grasp, that they'd come out, and that your coaches would say exactly what this coach is saying about this freshman, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so now that you're hearing that, it's like, man, you know, I've got we've got him for three years. You know what I'm saying? So it just it makes you feel a little bit better about that offensive line and that they can build around one guy. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Athens. Oh, dog, sick him! Kirby Smart met with the media here recently, and I thought the most interesting thing he had to say, there's a ton of expectations there in Athens. They have really stuck it to Florida the last two years on the field, but every time they have an interaction, these Georgia fans, with a Florida fan, the Gators, it's they're so quick to just say, well, have you, they even won a national championship in your lifetime? I mean, they, they go to that every single time. Georgia fans dying for a national championship. They've been so close the last couple years. Kirby Smart, the motto is do more. 25 and 4 is not good enough. So let's kick it to Kirby when he was asked. He didn't really appreciate this question, it didn't seem like, but if it's a championship or bust mentality there in Athens heading into the season. Kirby, big picture question with the way the program has been the last two years. Do you view anything short of a national title as a disappointment? That's, that, that question is just, I mean, I don't view success and failure just on that. I think you guys do. I mean, I think some of the things you guys write where it's this or bust or this or that and this, that, here's what we're focused on. How good can we be tomorrow? Can we be the best we can? Do they have expectations at Georgia? Absolutely they got expectations, and we got them for ourselves. But I'm not going to measure success and failure on one thing. That's not fair to these kids who give everything they've got to the program and they blood, sweat, and tears and all the people in the organization that give everything they got to measure success and failure on one thing. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that. You know, you guys may do it, fans may do it, but everybody has their right when it comes to that. I'm I'm worried about what we're gonna do in the next fifteen minutes when I go up here and watch the state. Can you put into perspective on building on that question? You were the one that said twenty four and five wasn't good enough. Is that any I said do more is what I actually said. So when you go twenty four and five, we wanna do more. And that's really what the mantra is. Twenty four and five, we wanna do more. I mean if, if we were 29 and 0, I would say that we needed to win the other ones by more. So it's never enough. I mean, you show me a, a, a person that's satisfied with what they've done, and they're done. It's called retired. So I, that's just not the way I look at things, and that's not the way that this program is going to be run. That you're in constant pursuit of excellence, not perfection. And we're trying to be excellent. All right, Shane. So I particularly liked what he had to say here at the very end of this. And I'll tell you why, because I'm certainly not comparing uh, Kirby Smart to Vince Lombardi, but I do know when Lombardi got to Green Bay, you know, they were a pathetic franchise. They couldn't win anything. And the first thing he told them in the meeting room is we will strive for perfection every single day, knowing that we'll never achieve it, but we'll reach excellence. And that's basically the exact message Kirby had here for his team. So I I like to see that filtered down to the Georgia program. But what are your thoughts, Shane, on, I know, you know, we're very high on Georgia. We both got Georgia 
pick to win the SEC this year, which is mm-hmm. uh, is automatically going to get them into the playoff every year, in my opinion. So they're going to be in the discussion. But, uh, I mean, how disappointed should Georgia fans be if, say, they go, you know, 14-1 and one and, and don't win at all? I mean, is it a huge – is it a failure? Uh, oh my God. You know, I don't know. Uh, I don't want to say – I think that they're going to feel like it is. I, I think they, the hype is here, man. I mean, this is the year for Georgia. I think they, I mean, the East is down compared to what they've got. The the I, I don't think Alabama's is as good as they have been in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, it just feels like all the pieces are in line to make a serious run for that national championship. They got, I mean, they've, done, I mean, honestly, knock on wood, have been healthy this entire fall camp. Um, everything just looks like it's shaping up. And, uh, yeah, I think if they fall and don't get that national championship, I think it's going to be a letdown, which is crazy, you know, for the other, let's say, 12 other teams out there in the SEC. That would kill for that record, you know. But I, I just think that's where we're at this point because Fromm's going to be gone. Um, you know, some of this defense – I mean, this this offensive line is going to be – I mean, they're going to have so many pieces leaving at the end of this season. Granted, they got plenty of talent behind them, but it just feels like it's coming to a head, and this is the year for Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if this is a cop-out, shame, but what if I were to say – I don't know if it's kind of like Kirby was saying, like there's so much that goes into it, and imagine – you know, Jake Fromm gets hurt in the playoff or something, and they and they lose a game. I mean, is the whole season a failure? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, it's just just bad, unfortunate luck. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. what if I think the the expectation for Georgia, the way they're recruiting and everything they have going for them, is certainly I think Kirby will be a disappointment if he doesn't win a national championship during his time there coaching. Like that's something that he has to accomplish. Otherwise, he is just another Mark Richt. Yeah. I mean, who who cares if you're winning if you're winning the SEC titles, but you're not you never bring home the national championship. I mean, that I think there's plenty of coaches that could probably deliver SEC championships to Georgia. But I think mm-hmm. if you're a player, I think in your time there, the four to five years you spend there, I think the the goal is to win a national championship. And if you don't get that done, then I don't want to say your entire career is a failure, but I think you'll failed at uh, the biggest goal you had, and I think that should be the expectation the way they're recruiting. Uh, so I, I'm I'm not saying every year, but I'm saying essentially every cycle that you're there, you it's it's a failure to me if you don't win one. Absolutely, I, I think there'll always be an asterisk by his name if he doesn't, and they're going to find somebody that will if, if, and I'm not, we're not in no means putting Kirby on a hot seat by any means, but if they do drop a couple of games during the season, like they did last year against LSU or something like that, and they, they fall short and they don't even make a playoff, then I could see the rumblings. You know what I'm saying? Just, yeah, yeah, he's a hell of a recruiter, but, and then there's that asterisk. So eventually they would get somebody in there that could, take them to the next level. And Shane, if if Georgia loses to Florida this year, your ass is going to be throwing him on the Gus bus. <laughs> no, no, not even close, man. I, 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 it's going to take a couple of failures. But it, it's, it would be, again, hard for me to do that because I've done that in the past. You know, there was a time in my life when I wanted Phil Fulmer out. 
because these nine win, ten win seasons, you know, we just couldn't get there. We couldn't get over the Gators. You know what I'm saying? And it's like now it's like we can't even beat freaking Vanderbilt. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, so yeah, you got to be careful what you wish for because you don't know what the next coach is going to bring or how long you're going to be down, man. You know, I, I put out a highlight for Alabama. Mm-hmm. The 2004, it's two days to SEC football. And do you know, it's a, I mean, this thing's VHS quality, and it's the last time we beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That's just pathetic, man. Casey Clawson was a quarterback. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so anyway, yes, be careful what you wish for. I'm not putting Kirby on a hot seat, but, I mean, hell, if he drops four games or something like that, I would. But I don't see that. I, I see this as their year, man. Well, Shane, it's funny you mentioned can't beat Alabama. Let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. All right, Shane, Coach O met with the media here recently, and wouldn't you know it, he was talking about his tight end, Thaddeus Moss, a guy we talked about on our previous episode here. (laughs) I just thought it was pretty neat how he propped up this guy. Uh, And he was also asked about, you know, the biggest question marks for this team heading into the season. Uh, it's not too surprising what he had to say, but I just felt like uh, we should include this clip as well. I'll tell you what now, Thaddeus Moss has had an excellent camp. So has Stefan. Uh, those guys are coming along. T.K. McClendon is getting better. as blocking. Jamal Pettigrew looked good today. Uh, that tight end position is coming alive. What's been standing out about Thaddeus Moss that you're saying that puts him in that competition? His physicality, blocking. Uh, he, we always knew he could catch. But you know, Thaddeus Moss, I'll give you an example. It was spring break, and uh, I was in there working out, and most of the players were on, on spring break, and he wasn't. I said, what's up? He said, I'm staying here because I want to have a great year. So he has committed himself to working out and getting better and is really focused, and uh, hopefully he can have a good year for us. You're about 10 days out. What, what lingering questions do you have right now? Uh, just tackling. Tackling in open space, being assignment sound, option. Some guys playing for the first time under the lights, catching the ball. You know, Derek Skinny's going to return punts. I think he's going to be fantastic, but he's a freshman returning punts for the first time. You know, Cade Yorks is going to go out there. He's been phenomenal in camp, but he's going to kick in front of 102,000 people. So those things, just new guys, see how they're going to perform. But I'm very confident in this team and this coaching staff. All right, Shane, so they're hyping up Thaddeus Moss, of course, the son of Randy Moss. We talked about him last time. And, I, you know, I didn't, I had no idea what Coach O was saying here, that uh, this guy's been putting in so much work. I mean, that's, that's what Joe Burrow said. So we got it here from Coach O as well. Uh, thoughts on that? And um, Coach O's, I don't, I don't want to say concern, but, you know, the question marks heading into this year, freshman, freshman kicker, freshman corner, and punt returner is extraordinaire Derek Stingley. Yeah, we've hyped this guy up so much, but he's not done anything on the field when it counts. Thoughts on all that? <laughs> what about Coach O getting ready for a season, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's in there doing power cleans and looks over and sees his young tight end over there, Randy Moss's boy working out. So, uh, no, I think that's that's fantastic. It's just crazy that we're just now hearing about this kid emerging as a as a, I, I honestly I had no clue Randy Moss's boy was down there so that just blew my mind but yeah I, I as far as the the young talent I mean everybody has young talent the kicker uh, you know 
I, I think the the kid has been. I'm sure they they practice for these situations. You know, something we talked about. You know, if you miss this kick, the the whole team's got to run that sort of thing. You don't realize how much pressure that is. You know what I'm saying? Now sometimes it's it's almost as much pressure as uh, just a game time kick. So. Uh, these guys are are mechanics, and I think he'll be fine. The kid, the kid's a hell of an athlete. So, but you know, we're gonna find out. And as far as Stingley, I just I can't see it, man. I can't see him being a failure. Everything I've seen in spring camp, everything I've seen, every time I get a highlight video of him, the kid is just he's a grown ass man out there. So, I think he's gonna be fine as well. Yeah, I don't really have much questions about Derek Stingley, but Cade York, the kicker, Shane. I will kind of question until we see him do it. Uh, you know, last year Auburn had the younger Carlson Anders Carlson, who is obviously the son or the son, the brother of <laughs> Daniel Carlson, probably the best kicker in Auburn history. Auburn fans probably thought, "Hell, we're getting another All-American Carlson. We're we're good there." Yeah. And he missed ten kicks last year. So, the, and we saw Gus, you know talking about that during training camp, putting Carlson on the spot, and he delivered. So it may take some time. I mean, that was just such a huge weapon for LSU last year with the kicker. you got LSU schedule. Georgia Southern week one at yeah. Texas, Northwestern mm-hmm. State at Vanderbilt. Then they're off. And then they got, they got mm-hmm. Utah State at home, uh, Florida at home, at Mississippi State. Auburn at home, and then they're off again. Then they got at Alabama, at Ole Miss, and then Arkansas at home, and Texas A&M at home. Okay, so week nine, they've got Alabama. Mm-hmm. That's when I think it's going to come down to the kicking game. Maybe Florida, but I'm saying that, I mean, this is a big year for LSU as well. I truly believe that they're going to get past Auburn. I know you're high on them. I don't think they're going to be a problem. What about week two I don't at think... Texas? Number, Texas number 10 in the nation. <laughs> no, not a problem, Mike. If you're reading those clippings, I got just get off here. Just get off the damn podcast right now. Texas ain't going to be nothing to LSU. They're going to kick their ass. So I'm thinking Florida possibly, uh, but – Week nine, I mean, by the time you, you're playing the team that you're competing for the West, I think that's when uh, the kicker's already going to have his, his thing going. So I think we'll be fine, man. Yeah. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. I think if you miss a kick at Texas to lose the game or something. You're not going to – it's not going to come down. I think goal. that gets in your head, and then you're shot the rest of the year. Do you think you – okay, so right now, August 23rd, you think that Texas has an opportunity to beat the LSU Tigers? Sure. I mean, because once these, once the season starts, I kind of throw out everything I have going into the season. I try to evaluate everything on the field we've seen in 2019. So I want to see what happens mm-hmm. this week one. I'm already crowning them, man. <laughs> Vince, Vince Young ain't walking in that locker room, son. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Ricky Williams is not on that team. I just don't think they got it. I may be wrong. I may be wrong. You know, I thought it was cool to coach calling the – the captain's moms the other day, that was a good look for them. But I don't think that these uh, Texas Longhorns is back. I think it's, think it's premature. Yeah, it's because they're going off a bowl game. Damn, ain't nobody played in that bowl game last year. Nobody cared about that bowl game. They were disappointed that they weren't in the national championship. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I think there's just too much hype on Texas right now. And it's going to get exposed week two. All right, Shane. Well, sticking to the Lone Star State, let's go to the best program in Texas. Texas A&M, Giga Jimbo Fisher, 
hey, I didn't realize this till today, Shane, but not only is Florida preparing for a game, Texas A&M, the Aggies, they're currently in game week, Shane, because they kick off the season a couple days early against Texas State on a Thursday on SEC Network. So we're technically in game week here in College Station. Jimbo Fisher met with the media, and, uh, man, I thought this quote was great just because, I mean, it was pretty clear. He's asked about Kelamon, asked about his progression. I mean, we, this is something he's kind of been hit on all off season, But this time in particular, Shane, I mean, he – I thought he was done talking twice, and then he just kind of like the light bulb went off, and he just kept going. So this is a long one, but uh, we we're even leaving the pauses in there because I it's just great to, to see him just kind of stop, and they keep going. <laughs> in what ways have you seen Kellen grow from when you got here until now? You know, first of all, just playing football knowledge. Uh, I think he's really become a student of the game. Not that he didn't know before, and but he was young. He shouldn't have known. You know what I mean? He was a young guy. I think where he's understanding is how a quarterback or any position, but really a quarterback, has to prepare and the amount of decisions and knowledge in which he has to have to make those decisions uh, and how important they are and how I think the big thing is he is learning to truly appreciate he touches the ball every, every play and he can change the game on every play. But sometimes by changing it by not doing something wrong, not just doing anything great, by respecting the ball, respecting his teammates, knowing when to take the chances. I think knowing how to play the position and that the position is not just about himself, and that's what I'm talking about. It's how the other guys feel with you. You're never the quarterback until your team will go through hell for you. That's period. Does the offense do everything they got to do to protect you, fight, scratch, claw, make plays for you, want to get you the ball, and the defense on the other side, hey, all I know is that's just get him the ball, something good's going to happen. And I'm not saying it just superior talent, or things, but that guy finds a way to get get us in the end zone. Or he leads us, and I and I love that guy. And I think he he gener- he gets that from his teammates. I think our, his teammates respect him for his work ethic, his demeanor, his competitive nature, and his, more importantly, his just genuineness to for our team to do well. And I think he's really grown in a lot of areas. And I, but I say I'm gonna say a big part of that. I think he has a, he's been brought up very very well. He is a very very mature young man who's been raised very very well. All right, Shane. So I just really love what he's talking about. Kellen Moss, you know, won this team over. They're they're ready to go to hell for him. I mean, that's a hell of a quote right there. Uh, But I don't know. He just seems incredibly confident in his quarterback and that the fact that, uh, you know, this time last year, Kellen Moss was a huge question mark and he had just won a tough battle. And this year, it's I mean, it's completely opposite. Yeah, it's like it's like a light switch hit between week one and two. You know, he's like just – he went from frustrated with it, the entire team to just praising Kellen Mond, you know. And there's a lot of people that saying, you know, they've, they're have they already starting the Heisman train. Have you seen that? <laughs> so uh, that's that's where they're at. And I'm telling you, man, if he did make those steps forward, uh, don't be surprised if he's not at least in conversation. Obviously, I really think that he's going to have to – the ability to showcase that against the Clemson game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if dude, if they come out on top of that game, jeez, watch out, man. Well, staying here on the Aggies, Shane, I just thought this was interesting. Uh, Justin Matabuke, he's the only returning front seven player the Aggies got. And he came out well, – we're not going to play a clip because we don't have great audio here. But he came out and said – now, I guess all the players kind of have uber confidence at this point. But he said Texas A&M defensive line – best in the in the sec 
Ooh, I don't. That's that's a little too bold for me. But uh, what are your thoughts on a Aggie player saying that when now they they got some some young elite talent down there? But I don't know. It's tough to <laughs> you're losing all these guys. You're the best defensive line in the <laughs> SEC. I'm not buying that one. Are you? No, no. I, I'm sticking with LSU. Maybe Auburn on that mm-hmm. one. You know. Uh, but I mean, they're up there. Don't get me wrong. But I just. No, they're not the best right now. But, again, we could be surprised. It depends on how much they develop this offseason. Last thing on the Aggies here, Shane, this is kind of interesting, but starting cornerback, Dibion Renfro, out for the opener against Texas State. Shane Jimbo says suspended for violation of team rules. He was asked to follow up on Renfro. Will this be a one-game suspension? And Jimbo says, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) So I, don't know, I don't know what the hell that means, but I, I guess he wants Clemson on their toes. But uh, I would certainly think this will be a one-game suspension. But if they don't have him yeah. for Clemson on the road, uh, I mean, that could be trouble. So I, it's certainly not going to be trouble against Texas State. But I th- for mm-hmm. Clemson, you you got to get that guy back. Yeah, I think he'll be back. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> Actually, one final thing, Shane. This kind of jumped out because obviously we're in game week in College Station. The Aggies released the first depth chart of the season. And I'm not going to run down the whole list here, but I just thought this was interesting, Shane. The guy we had talked about previously, Kenyon Green, the true freshman, five-star tackle. Uh, He's going to be starting at right guard, so he's earned his way in the starting lineup. Let's kick it to Jimbo. He was asked about that, and uh, he praised the young man. When Kenya's done a great job. I mean, he's been very physical inside, been consistent for the most part. I mean, as a freshman, every now and then you'll, you'll have some little mistakes. and just you know, once you, But once you teach him things, he very rarely makes the same mistake twice. You know what I mean? And I think that's a big part of the early guys. And he, he's naturally physical. His, you know, God's blessed him, and he's worked hard with that body. So, I mean, you know, sometimes freshmen don't always get to play because, I mean, it's just the size and physicality. But God's blessed him, and he's taken advantage of it, and he's a great competitor, and he's a very smart, intelligent young man. All right, Shane, so Jimbo – I mean, he's all about this kid. I mean, he's been singing his praises all training camp. What were your thoughts when you saw that uh, the freshman's in the starting lineup already? If I got a dollar for every time somebody said, God bless my body. <laughs> oh, man. That's awesome. Boy, Jimbo's in love with this kid. Yeah, I mean, it's a youth movement down there in College Station, Shane. It just seems like, you know, they, they had such a great recruiting class. It seems like these guys, I think it's a great sign for what they're building there, that they're already uh, getting all on the field. And the safety he had talked been talking up about, sounds like he's going to start as well. So, uh, I mean, it, it, it's no, a terrific he, start it, here for the Aggies. They like the freshmen down there for sure, man. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where Chad Morris, guess what he was asked about, Shane? Quarterbacks! I thought our quarterbacks... I did good. They, uh, I'm not going to name one today. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought they did good. I thought they did some really good things. I thought there were some things that we got to improve on. But, uh, you know, overall, I thought it was a good scrimmage. So, with that, I'll, I'll open up. Since you're not naming a quarterback mm-hmm. today, when do you think you'll name one? We're going to name one next week at some point. Could this be a game where you play both of them? Uh, you know, I, I, that I don't know at this point. Um, we we just uh, uh, and I don't know the game will the game will dictate a lot of that. Is it possible you, you wouldn't name a starter before the game? I mean, no, we'll name one before the game. Yeah. yeah. Coach, how difficult is it though to actually you know you got to tell one of these guys these quarterbacks that you know 
you've been working hard. We're going to need you, but we're going to go with the other guy. How difficult on a personal level? I know you're doing what's best for the team, but on a personal level. Yeah, I think I think not just a quarterback, but any position. You know, guys are so competitive, or they wouldn't be in this sport and be in this in this. Uh, uh, at this university, and so you, know, you love the competitiveness. Everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to start, um, but they can't. And so you know, you, you'll you'll these guys are professionals. They'll they'll they understand, and they understand that there's only one guy we're going to run out there. And they also understand they've been around the game of football long enough that when their opportunity does arise, they better be ready for it. And um, and so that's, that's that's just part of the game. It's just. You know, it's part of the decisions that you have to make. All right, Shane, so more of the same from old Chad Morris. I mean, we got Auburn naming their starting quarterback. We got Mississippi State naming their starting quarterback. And here we go in circles. Chad Morris won't even tell us what day, but uh, he's narrowed it down. He's not going to do game time. It'll be next week, but uh, – it will be sometime next week. We don't know what time or when or how or why. Anything surprise you yet in this Arkansas? I mean, how they just had their final scrimmage. What more do they need to see, do you think? This is a freaking joke, Mark. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it, I, Morris is starting to piss me off, you know? Every time I hear his goofy ass up there talking about he don't know who's going to be the quarterback – the more and more I get upset, and I'm not even a Razorback fan. You know what I'm saying? I can only imagine if you're down there wanting to know who your quarterback is. The team wants to know who the quarterback is. And honestly, I don't think Morse knows who the quarterback is. And it's just – this is just embarrassing, man. Well, let- and if they if they fumble out of the gate, they're all going to go back to this fall camp and talk about how Coach, you know, just didn't have an idea what he was supposed to be doing. Let's kick it over to offensive coordinator Joe Craddock, Shane, who he met with the media here recently. And guess what he was asked about? Damn quarterbacks. What y'all got? Y'all want to know about the quarterbacks? Yes. That's what I figured. Um, You know, me and Coach Morris, obviously today was the last day that we'll really, um, you know, evaluate those guys. And, you know, like we've said all along, you know, hopefully sooner than later we'll be able to name somebody. We'll sit down as a staff and – um, you know, talk about it, Coach Morris, and uh, I know Coach has probably told you that, you know, he has one more vote than everybody else. So, um, you know, all we, you know, all we can do as a quarterback room is continue to get better, and whoever we decide to go with, um, you know, they got to be in a position to lead our offense and get our unit in the end zone. That's what ma- that's the main thing. So, um, that's where we're at. I'm hoping that you know, next couple of days we'll know something. Um, I know Coach has his radio show tonight and some other things. So. Uh, probably won't be uh, within the next couple of days, I'd imagine, but we'll we'll try to get somebody named here pretty soon. All right, Shade. So Joe Craddock, I mean, based on what he had to say here, it's it certainly seems like, you know, he's going to have a say, I would imagine, but he's leaving it up to Coach Morris. More, he kind of hit on it there. Coach Morris got more more say than anyone, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know for whatever reason, maybe he was instructed, but I mean, he would not really say anything about either one of these guys. Because <laughs> he don't know. He don't know, man. It might be Jerry Jones' grandson out there. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that would be a surprise. He's trying to work the waivers right now. He's trying to figure out a way to get his son up there, you know? Like, surely there's something. Did he pass one more class? We graduated him early. I can get him on here. He could be starting this week. <laughs> Idiots. Well, speaking of not knowing Shane, I had to include this clip because Joe Credit was also asked, Apparently, old Robin Thicke made his way to the Arkansas facility 
And I was not too sure who the heck this... I heard the name, but I don't really know who he is. We don't know quite who this guy is, Shane, but neither did Joe Mm -hmm. Credit, so I feel like I'm in good company. So you're the Robin Thicke fan, or what's the connection there? Who's that? I didn't even know who that was. (laughs) (laughs) I felt bad. That makes two of us. Yeah, SJ came and got me and asked me if I wanted to talk to him. I "I don't know who that is. (laughs) They showed me the song, and I obviously heard the song, but I didn't know. All right, I just wanted to share that. I just thought that was great. Football guys, we do not know who these people are. Don't come don't Uh-oh. come to our facility. Don't make a big deal about it. We don't know who you are. <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Where last episode, you know, we talked about Marcus Tatum and you know, his just tired of losing attitude or just changing the mentality of that offensive line the struggling offensive line seems like it's been struggling for about six seven years since the Dooley era mm-hmm. and that was a long time ago Shane uh, coach Will Friend the offensive line coach down there in Knoxville he was asked about Marcus Tatum's comments and uh, he kind of went on a spiel here but uh, I thought it was kind of important we're talking about this offensive line I think it's the biggest question mark with the Vols this season so let's uh, jump to Will Friend see what he had to say about the offensive line um, well, I think I think they all feel like they've had a big part of it, uh, and um, I'm sure that uh, there's been a lot of places that that hadn't been as successful as we wanted, and I know they feel like that uh, they've been a big part of that, and I think they're eager to try to prove that. But they're not the only reason why. Um, but um, I do feel like they feel like they have a little bit of one of the major areas to improve, which it definitely needed to be, was, was the play up front. So I think they sensed that and, and are tired of having that. But I, I didn't realize what, what he said, really. Do you see a different mentality with the offensive line this year compared to last year? Uh, yeah, I think that um, you know, we're older, we're stronger, um, more mature. Uh, I think, um, you know, so you've seen a lot of progress from some of those guys um, just as they've grown a little bit in the program. and. And getting older, and then there's um, we have some new guys now that have added some depth of guys that can that uh, or have the ability to play and, and be successful. So I think that's a plus. They're young, um, you know. I think they're both, uh, um, you know, having good days and then bad days a little bit. A lot of it has to do with, you know, the the age that they're at right now. Uh, this is probably tougher than they've ever practiced uh, and against better competition. So. You know, it's it's you know a year ago they were getting ready to play a game tonight, probably in a high school game. So I I, I think they've had to deal with that a little bit, but they're doing some good things. We got to just keep them going in the right path. What are, what are fair expectations for them as freshmen? Oh uh, well, you know, through the whole recruiting process and now is to come in, compete, and try to win a starting job and and help us get where Tennessee's supposed to be. All right, Shane. So it kind of sounded to me like Coach Friend. I mean, he's basically on the same page with Tatum. He's not putting it all on the offensive line, but, hell, he knows that uh, his unit did not get it done next last season, and that's got to change if the Vols are going to take a step up in the SEC East. Oh, for sure. How many times did I fire him last year, you know? <laughs> there was several times I was not a fan of Coach Fran. And, uh, you know, one thing that – that he kind of hit on is about Tatum not, you know, not really knowing about Tatum's comments, but you know, they're using it as fuel with these upperclassmen because it seems like the same message keeps coming out and they're just tired of being the laughing stock the SEC, man. 
they're tired of getting, you know, just thrown around. And they, they at times looked really bad last year. And I don't think it was because they weren't physical. Honestly, I just think their heads weren't in the game. That I, I don't think they knew their assignments. And uh, it just seems like, I don't know, something that they're really getting into this year. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of Tennessee, Shane, last thing here on the Vols, I just thought this was kind of came out of the blue. I was not even aware this was on the radar. But uh, Tennessee has picked up a transfer quarterback from Maryland named Kasim Hill. And this guy was a four-star recruit, the number 10 pro-style quarterback prospect in the 2017 recruiting class. And he was actually Maryland's starter last season. Shane, he started the first eight games, uh, hurt his knee. He's actually hurt Mm -hmm. his other knee previously in his career. So he's got two bad knees. But, hell, Shane, he came in, threw for 1,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions. He's coming to Knoxville. He's not going to be eligible this year. But what that does is gives kind of the Tennessee some insurance for 2020. Uh, this guy's going to have two years to play, and he's walking on. So he's not even taking a scholarship. So um, I can't really think of any negatives here. Uh, what, what's your reaction to Tennessee picking up a quarterback that's uh, played at a high level here? It came out of nowhere, man, honestly. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I highlighted, did some highlight videos of him. Doesn't look too bad, you know. We'll see how he does when he's down here, and it's just kind of intriguing. It's not a, it's not a get I was expecting, but uh, it's a get nonetheless, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just think, you know, to kind of add it to my thoughts here, you just don't know what you got behind Garrett Tano right now. I mean, you got two guys that have never played in college football. Mm-hmm. Now they do got Harrison Bailey, very touted four-star quarterback out of Georgia, committed. There's a ton of hype about that guy, but, it, I mean, he's the same thing. I mean, obviously, he's never played in college, so it's good yeah. to have someone here that actually knows what they're doing. I could certainly see a scenario where this kid is the starter next year if Garantano is not there for whatever reason, and I'm not saying he's like the future of Tennessee football, but I think he could be kind of the gap between getting a young guy up to speed to where he have, that player, whoever that may be, eventually does earn, earn the starting job. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I, I don't think a crowded quarterback room is a bad deal. You know, I like the Arkansas thing. It's not a bad situation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of good candidates in there. It's just not having a starter, something like that. You know, if they if they make this about the quarterback room, then I think it kind of distracts the team of, of what really their goal is. So um, I, 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 I'm with you. Outside influence, somebody that's got some actual playing time that could come in that's you know, been under the lots before. Granted, it's probably not been in front of a hundred thousand people, but you know, I think he's uh I think he would be a good fill in if needed. And he beat Texas, Shane, so I know you're gonna like that. <laughs> Everybody beats Texas, Mike. <laughs> Except LSU, apparently. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Columbia. Where we don't have a clip here because he didn't do a press or anything, but Will Muschamp met with a uh, local touchdown club down there in South Carolina. And what you know what, Shane, when he's not in front of the mic to where we can get some audio, he's out here breaking news. And the news he broke, Ernest Jones, Shane, he's going to start at middle linebacker for South Carolina, the sophomore. This is going to be a first-year starter, and that's a spot that uh, most people assume locked down by T.J. Brunson, who's their senior linebacker, their best linebacker. But what that does, Brunson... He's remaining in the starting lineup. He's kicking down a weak side linebacker. And then the other news, Shane, true freshman, Jamie Robinson, defensive back, he's going to start at the nickelback 
for South Carolina, which, you know, as college football game goes, nickelback is almost a starting position. I mean, because you got to have five DBs out there all the time. You don't know mm-hmm. what's good. What the offense is going to run or pass. This read option stuff out there is everywhere. So, uh, Will Muschamp decided some starting positions here, breaking it news at uh, Touchdown Club. But uh, I just thought that was kind of some notes the South Carolina fans should should want to hear because that defense, they've had some, they had a way to go. But if they got freshmen and a sophomore here in the lineup, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I think I'm pretty pretty confident that uh, the Gamecocks are going to get a little bit better. They got two good young players here to build around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time I hear Nickelback, I think about what Brett Favre said, you know. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. Here he is playing in the pros, didn't know what a Nickelback was until he was up in Green Bay, man. He's like, what's a Nickelback? And he goes, that's basically just an extra defensive back back there. They took a linebacker off the field. And he's like, that's it? You know, he thought, <laughs> he thought it was something special, you know. So uh, I'll always think of Brett Favre when I hear Nickelback. All right, Shane, so we're finally here. We're finally here to game week. We got a pick to make. Let's break it down. Some Florida-Miami action. And this time, we got even a newer hype reel. 25, 30 years ago, this was a huge rivalry. The fact that this rivalry is being renewed and kicking off the season, special week zero matchup, that's the one I'm fired up for. The country's looking forward to it. It's a marquee week zero game, probably the biggest week zero game in the history of week zero games. How does Florida start to perform when the lights are bright, when everybody says you're going to be really good this year? How do they perform? Touchdown! We play to our standard. All right, Shane, kickoff Saturday night, 7.30, I think it is, 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. Eastern time. It'll probably be closer to 7.30. They'll drag this shit out. Florida, Miami. Florida's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite in a Camping World Stadium. Thoughts on this one, Shane? <laughs> oh, wait, before you pick it, maybe we should do this. Okay. Before we pick it, Shane, how about this? Mark Richt picked the game. Former Miami coach, former Georgia coach. Guy probably hates Florida as much as uh, anyone out there. He was at, He was on a local radio station down here in Miami. And this is the damn most specific pick I ever heard in my life, Shane. <laughs> no reason to get nervous. The Gators, man, they're back. They I like me? it. Now, yeah, I don't think they're going to win, but they're back. There you go. <laughs> I got to go. Okay, there you coach, go. Coach Allen, for a second, I thought you were with me. <laughs> I need you to bring the heat, Coach. <laughs> and you are predicting the Hurricanes to beat the Gators, correct? 16-13 as the clock expires. Bubba Baxa, 47-yard field goal, left hash. Woo! That is a Damn. prediction like you never hear a precise <laughs> prediction like that. I can't wait to watch Saturday night now. Man, you're going to be unhappy, I Crowder. Do, I would never do that as a coach. So, <laughs> uh, I could have some fun now. Yeah, <laughs> See you, Coach. We appreciate it. All right, so we've got, we got the score. We know how it's going to end. We know who's going to end it. I don't know. When I heard this, I I really thought, I was like, hell, Mark Richt is probably going to be a good analyst. He works for the ACC Network now. Maybe he's just picking the ACC team because he, he works there. But I don't know. I just never see heard a game prediction quite like this. 
No, once a Georgia coach, always a Georgia fan, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) That's what this one is. So I like it, man. You know, he loves being able to actually speak his mind, you know, make some of these bold calls, which I'm ready to do, Mike, because I do not think that the Miami Hurricanes have enough talent to keep up with the Florida Gators. I think they got a good defense. But I think their offense is garbage. I think their offensive line is garbage. So I think Florida's offensive line's in bad shape, but they've just got so many more pieces. I think that this is not going to be a game. So I'm going to go. Can I go ahead and do the prediction? Yes, sir. All right. I have got the University of Florida with 35 points, Ooh. and I've got the University of Miami with 13. Ooh, man. Not even close. What a – not even close. What a game we got here. Week one, Shane. You're, you're predicting a damn blowout the first game of the year? Absolutely. You know the crazy thing is? They're going to have 28 points by half. Mm. How do you think? What are you thinking about that, Mark Rick? <laughs> <laughs> well, you got, the th- you got 13 just like he did. You just uh, flipped it to the other team. But I don't know, Shane. I'm going to go this because I'm a huge Dan Enos guy. I think he's a very – outstanding offensive coordinator. I thought he was hugely underrated at Arkansas. I think that's going to be an upgrade there in Coral Gables. Everything I know about uh, Jerrion Williams, I like him a lot. I think he's going to come out and surprise some people. I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, They got Jeff Thomas. He's an outstanding receiver. He's going to be one of the quickest players in the ACC this year. Uh, But, yeah, you kind of hit on it there. The offensive line, I believe they're going to be starting two freshman tackles yikes that's not good mm. uh flip it over to the other side defensive i mean i think their defense is going to really manage this game really well uh, the biggest concern i have is their secondary matching up against the gators receivers i think the gators are going to win that matchup every time uh are we really seeing a new felipe franks yeah that's what they're selling us on uh, but i just don't know the biggest thing with felipe franks based on what they're saying is he's just far more accurate with the downfield throw. And that's not something that the Gators really had a ton of last year. You know, it was a lot of dink and dunk. It was a lot of, you know, screens and bubble passes and all this. And that that really helped his completion percentage, but it didn't threaten defenses down the field. He started to develop that at the end of the last season. If they have that again in this game, I think you could be right. I think it could be kind of a blowout here, but because they don't have that offensive line, I mean, their offensive line is just the biggest question mark is Florida, in my opinion. So I don't know if they're going to really have time to just take those big shots. I don't think they're going to want to leave Felipe Franks to, to be getting killed out there like that. So I don't know, Shane. This I think there's, a, there's an excellent chance that this is a really close game. I really do. Uh, but in the end, with all Miami's question marks, I know I've been down on Florida. I've been trying to cool the hype train there. I don't think they're a bad team. I just don't think they're top 10 caliber. Uh, so I've got the Gators winning this one as well. I'm not going to go quite as large as you. I'm going to say Florida 27. I think uh, you know. I think they have a very good offense outside of that offensive line, but 27 against this Miami team, I think that's a lot of points. And I'm going to give uh, the Miami Hurricanes 17. So I, I got a 10-point margin. I got the Gators uh, beating the spread, but uh, not not nearly as much as you. Yeah, spread on this is what, 7.5? 7.5, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I put 100 on this one, buddy. So that means it's coming to fruition. <laughs> 
So <laughs> lock of the week. <laughs> Get your bets in, boys and girls. All right, Shane. So we got our first game of the year picks. It feels pretty good. I'm. I'm. Feels I good. mean, it. It feels great after an off season of just bullshitting on here. We finally got a game to talk about. Uh, I'm just ready, man. I can't wait till next week when we're doing, you know, ten of these. Oh, dude, I'm pumped, man. It's one, but it's one, man. You know, and I've got a, a side note, just a little side piece of information here. Did you see uh, Sunday? They got the E60 for less miles. No. So if you're looking for a little college love on uh, Sunday, I believe it comes out this Sunday. And uh, they're going to do a segment on uh, Coach Miles, you know, and it's got Saban on there talking about, you know, you know, that's kind of the nice thing about Miles is he has no filter. He just says what's on his mind. And and he's, you know, honestly, he's got some of the best press uh, clippings ever. Mm -hmm. So uh, college football's here, baby. We got Miami. We got Florida kicking off. And uh, I'm ready, dude. I'm absolutely freaking ready. I just wish it wasn't at night. But you know what? Beggars can't be choosers, you know? It's week zero. Thank you for giving this to us, SEC. Yes, sir. So uh, that's going to do it for this one, Shane. Thank you for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. If you like the show, give us a five-star hearts. Uh, we really appreciate all those. Hey, give us rate and reviews on Apple Podcasts. That goes a long way. We'll catch you on the next one. See you, guys. Go Vols. that yeah what the hell's that thunder man sounds like your belly's rumbling <laughs> no Dude, we just got a big lot one second let me calm my dogs down bruno shut up what y'all got y'all know about the quarterbacks yes that's what i figured